So this is the Kick Aspirational Podcast. This is Dave Vanderveen, and uh, this is Season 2, Episode 4. And I thought I'd pull together um, three different people that I have the, the joy to work with, and uh, uh, Tucker, Mark Fitzgerald, and Gabe Sullivan, who um, have been working with me on the Kick Aspirational Project to put it together. Uh, Gabe and Bushin and I have put together some videos. Gabe's been... Uh, basically editing and, and uh, curating the Kick Aspirational Instagram page and then um, and also doing a lot of the design for the, for the, uh, for the project. And then Mark Fitzgerald uh, pushed me to get the podcast going in a very good way and helped me get it set up. Um, Bushin got me the microphones and showed me how to use GarageBand and then uh, Mark showed me how to get it on or put it on Podbean which then, you know, over time you can start adding to iTunes and then later to Spotify. But I think the best part about this project is that it's supposed to inspire people to do their own thing, um, not just work with me on my thing. And each of these guys has um, started their own project. And so today I wanted to interview um, each of them about the things that they're doing and working on that were partially inspired by working with me on Kick Aspirational. And I thought you'd like to hear about it because for me, uh, the whole point of this is that people start to break through barriers in their own life and are inspired by some of the stories that they hear here. So hopefully you enjoy this as much as I did. Uh, this is a fantastic episode. Uh, buckle up, jump in, and above all, be Kick Aspirational. So next up, I've got Gabe Sullivan, who's been a longtime friend uh, here in Laguna Beach, also known as Curious Gabe for anyone who's been a longtime subscriber to Surfer Magazine. Gabe's uh, been well known for his man on the street interviews, but also uh, for Surfer Magazine, but also in his green van, his green VW bus. But also, um, he's become better known over the years for his uh, really professional, uh, high, high level of professional work in uh, fashion photography and photojournalism and and design. So, um, Gabe, really lucky to have you on today. Thank you uh, also for all the help uh, you've contributed to Kick Aspirational. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Yeah, no, I'm super stoked. Um, how long ago did we meet, Gabe? We met quite a while ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, I think it was not too long after you guys moved to Laguna from Seattle. Is that right? You, yeah. You guys... We're what? friends with my cousins, Dan and Michelle, up in Seattle. That's right, Dan yeah. and Michelle. Yeah, that's how yeah. we, I think they originally are like, hey, you're going to be in Laguna, you should eventually meet Gabe. Something like that, yeah. Well, I think we bumped into each other at, uh, was it at um, at the, the surf gallery? Oh, yeah. I think that's where we met, right? At Will, Will Pennart's surf gallery. Will Pennart's surf gallery. There's a great guy <laughs> from Laguna. Well, he used to, he's not living in Laguna currently, but Will Pennart's who... Uh, who had the surf gallery, and then he did like the Moonshine Festival with Jack Johnson here in town, or, like yeah. um, some cool music festivals, yeah, and some other really killer happenings. Yeah, um, the, exactly. It evolved into the happening, which right. was the the evolution of Green Room or Moonshine, and then uh, evolved into the Green Room Festival the Green Room in Festival. Japan, which is now huge. huge. Now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In fact, we sponsored the Green Room Festival in Yokohama Bay the year just after the. Um, the tsunami and people were kind of freaked out about being at a festival that close to the water. Although Yokohama didn't have, you know, massive tidal waves going through it. Um, and, uh, we sponsored it anyways. And I think there were like 10 or 12,000 people that showed up, but now it's like massive. There's like over, I don't know. I'm going to guess at numbers, but I think it was like 40 or 50,000 at least that were, that were coming to it now. Yeah. I think, were we there together that year? Yeah. When we were there doing Kirkush yeah, in yeah, Japan? Yeah. 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 That was huge. A ton of fun. That was so fun. Yeah. We had a 
very festive time in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Gordon O'Byrne and uh, Scott Kuhn and the whole crew. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and Melody, Melody Knockley. That was, that was great. Um, so, Gabe, we've, we've worked together. We've done a couple magazines over the years. Mm-hmm. We did Krakush for the United States, and we did Krakush for Japan. Krakush. Krakush. The sound of freedom. <laughs> what does it mean to you? Uh, <laughs> krakush, krakush, krakush. <laughs> Sly Dog. We have to give Stephen Chu, aka Sly Dog, one of the local legends here in Laguna, credit for that t- that uh, that that name. For sure, I think it originated in Greece. Uh, On Trist- a boat, if yeah, I remember correctly. Trist- Tristan's. Uh Tristan, Tristan Miller's, Miller's Elantari. Yeah, yeah, right. Somebody was krakushing on the deck. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was, uh, but there's a lot of backstory there. Maybe yeah. we'll get Sly Dog on but at some point. Maybe another episode. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a good idea. Yeah. So, um, so Gabe, you've, you've, you know, look, you're an artist, you're a designer, you're a photojournalist. Um, you've, you helped me put together my website. Uh, you curate the Kick Aspirational Instagram page. And, um, you you really help organize and, and shoot with you know together you and Bushin put together the some of the videos that we've done for mm-hmm. for Kick Aspirational. Um, in this episode, I was interviewing Bushin and then Mark uh, uh, Fitzgerald, who's been helping me with the posting and things, and you because what was kind of struck me is, and I'm not trying to take any credit for this, but you've all decided to kind of start projects. Um, partially because of your involvement with this with this project, and I think that's that's kind of what it's designed to do. And I'm really stoked that guys who are right in the middle of it are like, well, man, maybe I should do something. Um, not that you weren't doing something before, but you're kind of deliberately jumping in. Can you tell me a little bit about um, a project that you just kicked off that uh, was kind of interesting? Yeah. So to start with, I from the beginning, as I've heard you um, sharing your message with this and. The, the message has been very much encouraging to, to just your audience. And so as I've been, um, you know, as you said, part of the, the team, you know, be, behind the scenes on it, uh, it it's really, it, it, it was just hard for it not to kind of rub off. And, and, yeah. I, and, and so you're, you're right. I, there, there's things that uh, I've wanted to do. You know, I, ha- I have a lot of ideas that um, I kind of am incubating at any given time and but but it really did help to to hear your you know know, there was that just your message of just basically go for it you know and just don't wait and just um you know if if you're not scared you know something's wrong you know scare yourself a little bit every day and and uh, just so anyway i I guess I drank the Kool-Aid and I just went for it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so 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 my latest thing, I just um, just wrapped up a two-day uh, selfie time. Selfie uh, time. I just wrapped up a two-day event called Inspiration LA up at um, the LA Convention Center, and um, that's a guy named Rin Tanaka. Um, Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> Vacuum cleaner. Oh, teapot. Yeah. Great green tea, by the way. Oh, thank you. It's really good. I love green tea. I drink, uh, I actually order it from Japan. I have a matcha blend we're drinking right now, matcha and green tea. That uh, So good. Yeah. Anyway, so, so you went to um, 
Tell me the name of the event. Oh, Inspiration LA. So Inspiration LA. Inspiration LA. So a guy named Rin Tanaka, Rin Tanaka, you've probably seen his books. One of them is called My Free Dam, and it's got oh, uh, yeah. Donovan Frankenrider on the cover. I think he's wearing a seedling, Jack Johnson. Uh, That's an t-shirt. inspirational book for a lot of our Japanese business partners who oh, have really? like freedom movements that involve surfing and snowboarding and things okay. like that. Um, yeah, a very so yeah. You, yeah. So you've seen it. It's, I was talking to Skylar a little bit about it, and he's like, "Oh, is that the the Ivy book?" Uh, got, oh, take Ivy. Take Ivy. Um, it's different. Yeah, it's different, but similar, I guess. Um, but anyway, uh, Rin Tanaka, he he puts this on every year. Uh, this is the tenth year, by the way, that, that they've done it. And oh, so, wow. how many people participate? In this? Um, there's probably, I don't know. Uh, or how many artists? There's probably uh, artist wise, there's probably about. Between five and ten oh, artists, wow. and then the rest of them are, are uh, fashion, uh, mostly vintage fashion. Oh wow! Like Levi's Vintage is there, um, you know. So uh, just people from all, you know, Ralph Lauren kind of cruising the aisles and Double RL and right. Um, but anyway, the the focus is vintage fashion, and then who who are the other artists that so, are there? So uh, Brian Bent is there. He's kind of who's featured in some of your photos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've I've uh, shot Brian quite a bit for Men's File magazine. Okay. And the founder of Men's File magazine, Nick Clements, is is a big presence there. Oh, cool. And that's and the Men's File is a that's a British based magazine, correct? Correct. Yeah, it's it's uh, based in London. The creative team's in London, and then it's uh, printed and published out of Tokyo through A Publishing. Oh yeah. And then what and what kind of what's the content focus of that magazine? So it's uh, men's heritage style. So a lot of um, timeless classic style motorcycle culture hot rod culture architecture beautiful women um vintage so, fashion yeah so it's so kind of like a, a a hipster's playboy yeah kind of <laughs> a lot of eye candy that's for sure <laughs> yeah. yeah not not quite as sexualized as, as yeah, playboy yeah, yeah not not no, i'd say there's uh the nipple has not been freed and <laughs> i think uh the the first couple issues were very nippleful, uh-huh. but, but since then I think the they put a kibosh on on the topless. They've kept it more sensual and less sexual, yeah. effectively. Yeah. yeah, and I I think that's a good direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. No, that's that's healthy. I think I think we've we've had the sexual revolution. We can <laughs> can put it back in the cage. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. No, so so that's cool. So that's a pretty interesting selection of of artists, and and to be included in that is actually pretty nice. How, how did you get into it? Yeah, so I was surfing down at um, at churches uh, with. Um, so it's down in the San Clemente area. Yeah, yeah, I was surfing down there with uh, a couple of buddies. Matt Allen is another artist, and then uh, JJ Wessels. And JJ is like, "Hey guys, um, would you be interested in showing at uh, at Inspiration?" They're, you know, I'm. They asked me to to find some other artists that, or recommend some other artists for it. So he put us in contact with the director and. Um, then he, uh, yeah, we just got, we got in that way. So, oh, cool. Yeah. So, so you got in and, uh, and what was your, what was your exhibit? What did you show? Uh, so I showed a, a photo of Brian Bent. He's actually riding a kook box, wearing a, a wool sweater and a motorcycle helmet and goggles. I think I have a copy of that photo. Oh yeah. I think you do. Yeah. I yeah, think it's upstairs in our guest like bedroom. That, it's that black panoramic. and white. Yeah. And a kook box for listeners isn't, I actually have one in, in the rafters, an original one, um, but it's an old wood surfboard that was uh, built typically attributed to Tom Blake. So it's the, one of the first hollow surfboards that has a frame inside. And what made it unique, right? A kook box was 
that one person could carry that because before that it was like solid Ola boards and things like that, which required multiple, they're very heavy, over 100 mm -hmm. pounds, require multiple people. The kook box, one person could carry. Nice. And he's, and Brian Bent has kind of taken the kook box on as like a art form, right? So he's yeah. making his own, he's got fins on them. Yeah. The original kook boxes didn't have fins, they came later. Mm -hmm. um, the original kook box started in the 30s um, with Tom Blake. Tom Blake, yeah. yeah. Right. So this is a, Slightly more modern version. Yeah. And like he, it has he, a fin. He puts a kind of a black and white striped paint job, kind of a dazzle ship in, inspired paint job. <laughs> What's a dazzle ship? It's a black and white, almost zebra paint job on a, a Navy vessel. I think it's designed to confuse, I don't know if it's radar or just or just the... When the, you're looking. when you're Yeah, I think it maybe somehow blends scouting. in or... It somehow camo. It's basically camo for navy ships. Oh wow! It's it's, what's it called? A dazzle. It's like a dazzle ship. A dazzle ship. Yeah. Well, that sounds cool. Yeah. I want a dazzle ship. Yeah, me too. You yeah. should get. You should get Brian to paint your your board. I'd be ashamed to paint that beautiful board. You know, order paint. a new one from him <laughs> yeah, eventually. There you go. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And and Brian also makes. He builds his own like vintage hot rods. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He he builds his cars from stuff he's got laying around in his garage and. Um, He's he's kind of uh, kind of amazing, and he makes his own clothes and paints. He's uh, it's really cool, kind of mid-century inspired Palm Springs oils that oh, he wow. does. Yeah, and um, he's in a band with his daughter, right? Yeah, the Bent Duo. His daughter plays the drums. Bent Duo. Uh -huh. That's a great name. Former pastor of the Hot Rod Church for Sinners. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that yeah. sounds appropriate. Yeah, yeah. He's he's one of the more interesting characters i've come across so. and he's an ambassador for stance socks right yeah yeah he's he, he rides for stance and um he's a great roller skater oh re he, like four wheels he's yeah. a quad as pat parnell who's on this podcast says he's a quad skater yeah him and pat would get along well i'm sure well we'll, we'll have to we'll have to talk about that because I, I think we're going to do a uh, a quad skate roller birthday party this year I'm turning 50 this year and oh my actually gosh. tomorrow I've heard rumors yeah tomorrow so they say tomorrow wow remember when, do you remember when i turned 40 like yeah. the day before we turned 40, you and I and Joel got quite festive. That yeah, there was some body surfing there was happening. Some late, <laughs> some crazy. It was, a, yeah, it was an inspiring day. But, that was um, a good one. So, so you were inspired to, to, do some, to, to, to do something and you ended up getting into this exhibit. And yeah. uh, how did it go? Like, tell, me what, tell me what happened. It, it went great. You know, I um, didn't have a lot of time to prepare, but... Uh, I went to Home Depot and I bought some redwood fencing mm -hmm. and built a kind of a C-shaped uh, booth to hang my photos on. Oh, cool. It, it's basically, you know, it was perfect because it had rained on it and it, the rust from the nails was kind of leaving these run marks on the on the wood. And so it had this sort of cool vintage look to it. And I was, uh, you know, for last minute, I, it, it was a lot of work, you know, um, but it, it was good to, to just push myself. And there was a moment there where... <laughs> I uh, was hanging one of the pictures on the wall, and I used the wrong strength uh, cable for the back, and it fell on the it was just like I put it on, and it just broke immediately, fell on the ground, the frame broke, and it was like ten minutes before the opening. You know? Oh no! <laughs> and so what did you do? Yeah, I just uh, I just quickly put it in. A, I had, luckily I brought another frame, so I switched frames. Didn't have everything on the walls when the thing started, and I had some tools and tape kind of laying around. And then, you know, friends started coming by, like Randy Hill, you know, stopped by. Oh, there. sure. We used to, we used to run Roxy for Quicksilver. Yeah. yeah. A good friend. And we've collaborated on some, some shoots over the years. And um, so we're catching up. And then, and then at the same time, Nick Clements 
from men's foul shows up and, and we're catching these are people that I haven't seen in a while it's just like great to see to catch up but at the same time I'm going oh man my, my booth's kind of a mess but I'm just like I just decided you know what really at the end of the day it's it's great to show the work but to connect with these people that I have relationships with is is more important and so I just like like let it go it didn't have to be perfect and then you know I by the the end of the first day I got got everything dialed and then the the, the second day it was all all you know, good to go. But um, and the public came through, or people who were attending the event. You have to buy. How do people attend the event? Yeah, you have to pay. It, uh, it's like forty dollars, I think. You to, buy a ticket to get in, and um, they're mostly vintage uh, collectors and just people that are super into the vintage fashion scene. Oh, cool! And um, people, a, a lot of people that are uh, work and and work for brands, design, you know, designers and and stuff like that. I think are coming to do research and just kind of see see what's out there and um yeah there's like free note cloth uh they're uh san juan capistrano based uh they make uh denim and uh, leather and uh, just great timeless pieces they, mm. had a, they had a booth there um good guys um uh, and, uh yeah some pretty good pretty good crowd um and it was cool to to sell to sell a piece and did a um, my friend JJ who I met earlier introduced me to these guys who have a studio in San Clemente and it's a it's a seamless cove and you can actually get a car in there. Oh wow! So I've been wanting to shoot a portrait of my bus for a couple of years now, just on a white background and really light it well. And um, so they've they've got the setup for it and uh, I had the opportunity to shoot it and with you know thanks to JJ's help I got a great profile photo of the bus in all its rusty rust bucket glory <laughs> so this is this is the green volkswagen bus that was kind of an icon for well it is an icon for curious gabe and was an icon in surfer magazine for a lot of years what year is the bus what's the story behind your green bus so it's a 72 and i learned how to drive a stick in it learned how to drive in it with you know my dad taught me how to drive it up in santa rosa and yeah. uh his, what, and what, what year were you born i was born in 71 okay so yeah. it's one year one you're one year older than the bus right yeah and i got it in i think i want to say 87 probably in my sophomore junior year of college i mean uh sophomore year of high school yeah so you, you got it from your dad he yeah he uh, introduced me to the guy that was selling it who who he a guy that he worked with at Santa Clara University, and um, it was like my dream to get a VW bus and you know use it to go take it surfing and over in Santa Cruz and stuff. And it was in such good shape when I bought it. They so took, it wasn't your dad's bus originally, no. But, but you had you bought it from one of his friends, and it was happened to be about approximately your age. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and still still got it. Um, and, and where's that bus gone? Gosh, so the bus has taken a lot of trips over Highway 17 from Mountain View, where I went to high school, to Santa Cruz. Santa Cruz, yeah. yeah. A lot of those trips. Um, quite a few trips down to Baja. Um, That's a haul. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a famous photo of it on a dirt road in Baja, right? Yeah, a really interesting story behind that. So uh, spring break college, uh, I was going to, th- must have been Foothill College in Los Altos, community college up there. Which and, is up in the Bay Area. Yeah, it's in Los Altos, um, near Palo Alto. And so I'm um, with some buddies in the bus, and we're cruising down to a place called uh, Punta San Carlos, which is a pretty famous um, like kite surfing spot, but there's good surf too. And um, we were going down there to camp, and 
I didn't even realize it, but um, Tom Survey, who is a longtime surfer magazine photographer, uh, ended up taking a, he was already set up to take a photo. And then I basically drove through his frame. <laughs> he was doing this wide kind of desert scape yeah. shot with the mountains and the cactus and everything. And then we just come, me and my buddies in the bus just come ripping through this dirt road. And then this was, I guess, two years before I got my internship at Surfer. He, this photo was taken that I had no idea. I just, we just kept driving, never even saw Tom. Yeah. And then uh, 10 years later-ish, we're at the Surf Gallery that we were talking about earlier. And Tom Survey was uh, releasing his book that he did through the Surfer's Journal. And I'm flipping through his photography. It's kind of like his... His collection. Collection, you know, of, of all of his best work. And and I come across this photo of, of basically me and my bus driving through the desert. And it's this really cool shot. And I'm just like, what? I, I couldn't really believe it. And then uh, it turns out that... So he, the funny thing is that two years later, I became his intern. I was working directly under him. In the, For Tom at Surfer. At Surfer in the, in the photo department. And then uh, it's just so funny that, that such a small world that then 10 years, I wouldn't even realize that he took that photo until 10 years later when his book came out. And so it's kind of a, kind of a special, special shot, you know, one of those. That's super cool. keeper, yeah. I've been on a surf trip with Tom. I got to go to, um, we, when we were shooting the Lost Prophets movie. Oh, that's right. We were on, on a, a boat in, uh, in, in the Mentawise. And uh, Tom was on the boat with, uh, it was like with Brian Conley and, um, who else was on that? Hans Hagen and uh, uh, what's his name? Um, my names are just jumping on my head right now. But you know some famous big wave pros who like to surf big tubes. And yeah, uh, you got some good good waves on that. Tom got some nice shots of you on that trip. Remember? Those, yeah, Tom. Laps? Tom got some great shots that we've used with uh, some of the stuff with Excess. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was a lot of fun to be on a trip with him. You know, I'd seen his name and photos for years, and then to spend uh, a week on a boat, you know, you uh, or a little longer actually start to uh, start to understand who people are a little bit better so right. a lot of fun well tom gets a little grumpy on boats he uh, he gets seasick so he was he was he, you know that's kind of his nature anyways he's he's a great guy and he, he uh it's fun to have have a guy who's uh got a little attitude sometimes that's, that's half the fun <laughs> but um so cool so you you did this installation you got some good results you sold a, you sold yeah. a photo you said yeah I sold the photo of, of the bus uh, oh, that, cool. that i shot in the studio um and uh got Got a, a great result. It ended up, um, I believe it's going in the uh, the office of the the one of the, the head guys at UGG. Ugg, Ugg oh shoes. wow! Yeah, I think I think it's one of, one of the the head of head of menswear design footwear design for UGG bought it as a gift for um, one. I think it's one, not the top the, guys one of the top guys at UGG. Yeah, so it's so cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, so, so cool. Well, yeah. what inspired you? I mean, you were, we were talking earlier, and you'd said that. Um, you know, part of what inspired you was the Kick Aspirational Project, and part of it was just working on it together. Yeah. What was it that was kind of, what was pushing you to, to you know, to do something? Because you've got other work you do. Mm-hmm. What pushed you to do this? So, as far as uh, working on the, the, the project together, and then the message of the project itself, I'd say, for me, uh, it was a really um, just... Uh, I'd say a potent uh, the exposure for me was it, it left a big impression because it's one thing to talk about choosing yourself and scaring yourself a little bit every day and um, 
you know, and working, working hard. Right. But then to, to hear you talk, talk, to share this message, but then also to, to watch behind the scenes. Like, I remember one time we were coming back from uh, the beach surfing or uh, free diving. And I, I noticed that you, you were on a call with somebody and then you were in the garage moving uh, bo- boxes of some of the Brook Street books uh, stuff around. And it's just that that work ethic, you know, like I think it's just the combination of like, you know, yeah, you're you're talking about it, but you're also living it. You know, you're you, you know, you're you're um, you're setting a, a positive example. And, and I think that that helped me uh, a lot to, you know, actions speak louder than words sometimes. And, and where there's there's inspire it's an inspiring message, but then also to to have kind of been been around you and, and seen some of your you know just the, just how hard you work it's it's impressive so, thanks Gabe I yeah. uh, I believe that if you keep moving they can't catch you so this <laughs> <laughs> so I try and keep moving on a regular basis and um, and I'm also kind of ADD so I give credit to uh, constant movement to that um, but you know I what I what I loved I just and I just kind of noticed it this week um, it kind of like you and Mark and Bush, and not that you're doing the same things or doing things together, and I'm not trying to take credit for it all, but I just, I loved seeing that you were all doing something and that, like, there was a connection, I think, to our our work together. It was, uh, it was really inspiring to see, and, um, and I think that's what this whole thing is about, and I want to just try and capture that. I know you're, you've all kind of started some new projects, and mm-hmm. who knows where they'll go. Um, frankly, I think it's less about where they end up than that the fact you started it, you're executing it. You're executing, by the way, really well. Uh, I saw photos on social media someplace of your installation. It looked really cool. Thanks. And um, and I certainly love the photos that we've got from you um, over the years. So thank you for that. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Well, Gabe, I want to um, circle back and catch up again when, uh, we, when as you progress and as things go along and hear how things keep moving for you. But in the meantime, thanks, and uh, continue to be Kick Aspirational. Right on. Thanks, Dave. Right on. Thanks, Kid. <laughs> Hi, this is Dave Anderveen, and you're listening to the Kick Aspirational podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 4, and I thought it would be interesting to interview a few people who, um, who I've worked with on the Kick Aspirational podcast, have been inspired by it, and are making some changes in their own lives. And... Um, this is kind of outside of my core business, the excess uh, work that I do, and is more aligned with um, what individuals are doing in their own lives, completely kind of uh, unrelated to that. So um, the first person I thought I'd talk to today is uh, Bushin Tucker, who I've known for many years, um, and we've been working together recently, uh, more recently in California. Bushin, welcome to the Kick Aspirational Podcast. Thanks, David. Yeah. Um, so Bushin... Um, You've, you're just launching a new idea based on some, uh, based on kind of, I guess, well, actually, let's start with, what's the Facebook post that you just made, uh, like, within a week or so ago? You reposted my Kick Aspirational podcast and mentioned how that had helped inspire a new project you're working on? Yeah, so, um, <clears throat> you know, I've obviously been listening to Kick Aspirational a lot, and we've been working on that, too, as well, which I'm having a lot of 
fun with. Right. And um, so you've you've helped me um, shoot some of the videos that we've done. Some yeah. Pretty developed videos, and we've talked a lot about it along the way, along yeah. the, about the project. And yeah. And, like it, that. and I think we've been talking through working together and developing our friendship together. We've talked about all kinds of subjects and things, and so. I had this foundation always, and you know how sometimes when you have a transformational kind of experience, it's not one thing, it's like multiple things that kind of just come together at right. some point. There's like a, a, a synchronicity, yeah. as the police say. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It kind of reminds me of when um, you told me we were, I'm, I was having a hard time, we were in Hawaii for a trip, and you, I was having a hard time floating, and just staying like comfortable in the water, and that was one of the first times where you told me something about, um, you know, thinking of yourself as a sponge and not a rock. A rock sinks, and mentally think of yourself as a light, airy, and that made an enormous difference. And it was like one of those things where it was like. I've heard many different things over time, but then the one thing you said made everything just click together. Connected to all the things you've been thinking about. Yeah, Or exactly. working on. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's where I get a lot of from talking to you and being listening to your podcast and, you know, quite frankly, a lot of podcasts. There's some awesome material out there right now. Yeah, and, I, and obviously, I, I don't think that I'm the, the only influence in your life. But, uh, <laughs> no, you, but you're you a just, big, huge influence on my life. You, you, no, thank you. But you had, you had posted uh, one of my episodes and said that, you know, you were taking action. I think it was this week. Yeah. And, and that kind of inspired me to think, you know, we've, I've had a number of great conversations with people, uh, particularly people who've been interacting with me on this. And I'm trying to reach back out and highlight some, how some yeah, of the people are making, so taking action. I definitely appreciate that. We um, So... The the new brand and the new thing that I'm I'm working on is uh, it's called Boosh, and uh, it's a nickname that I've had. Boosh. So your your name is spelled B H U S H A N, which has a lot of pronunciations. I'm learning. Right. <laughs> Although, how do you pronounce it? So it's uh, I don't even pronounce it correctly. Okay. How would you say it? How would you say it? You're from your family's from India. Originally. From India. Yeah. You're born in the U S. I was born in Queens, New York. So you're A B I. You're American born Indian. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, is that uh, something that people say in, in Actually, the term is ABCD. It's American-born confused Desi. Desi is another <laughs> slang term for Indian. So it's ABCD, awesome. American-born confused Desi. Okay. I'm also known as a coconut, so I'm brown on the outside and I'm white on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's been some really good movies about that lately. Um, yeah. Camille has that really yeah. good one. Yeah. Um, a lot of comedians right now. A lot of comedians yeah. are Indian who talk about this. Yep, exactly. And what's the other one? Meet the Patels was Meet a really Patels. good documentary about yep, it. About yep. a guy whose parents wanted to get into an arranged yeah. situation. Yeah, exactly. We actually made a movie. You, you oh, came right. to the set. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And what's the name of the movie? That was called When Harry Tries to Marry. When Harry Tries to Marry. And this is a big point of like confusion in if you're... Right, if you're... Uh, come from a traditional Indian family, but you're raised in a Western society, yes. or even in Indian, even Indian society now is shifting, I think, a lot of... It's lot westernizing. Of it. So, like, my parents moved to Queens in 1974. I was born in 75. Mm. 
And when you leave your home country, I think what happens is you hold on to a lot of the cultural norms that you grew up with and that you, you know, that you want to instill into your kids. Sure. And you're moving into a new place, especially if you're going from the east to the west. And your your kid is exposed to things that maybe you weren't exposed to as a kid, right? Well, you're, yeah, but a, it's different if you're born here than if you immigrate here. Right, Because right? you exactly. have the same foundation. Foundation. And you've got... Things are happening that maybe you're not used to, like your kids going to the parties or, you know, hanging out with friends that you're not sure about. And you're just not, it's not a, you know, in India, it's very family oriented. Yeah. So, um, whereas here, you know, I could have a friend that maybe my parents never even met their parents, right? Right. You know, whereas in India, that's kind of not, that doesn't happen, or maybe it does now. But so anyway, my point was that when he left... He left these certain cultural norms, and then it's almost like a time capsule where you're, you're almost like you're holding on to the way it was. Right. And then your home country automatically continues progressing and changing and evolving, and you know. But you almost hold on really tight sure. to what you left because you feel like you've lost a part of that. If that makes sense. No, for sure. Like, also, like. You know, in our family, my wife's family and my family, uh, we're all Dutch immigrants um, within one to three generations. And one of the things that, you know, um, well, for example, Sarah's grandparents, who are from Friesland, which is a northern province in the Netherlands, uh, they would say, you know, they spoke with thick Dutch accents, but when they would go back to the Netherlands, people would say that they spoke with American accents, right? right? (laughs) Um, and so they felt like they were caught in this middle place. And her uncle, who was born in the Netherlands but moved when they were young, like her mother, um, you know, we were back on a boat trip. We were going through these canals in Friesland, and we had stopped someplace, and there was an altercation between some of the local Dutch youth and some German tourists who, you know, probably both sides behaved a little badly. But Sarah's uncle's a big guy, and he wanted to, went to break it up, and he was saying, you know, he was trying to speak to them in Frisian, which is the... Not even a dialect; it's a different language, a medieval language that the Frisians speak. That our half of both our families speak, and um, he was saying "yongen yongen," and then he was talking to them, and and the kids stopped and they shifted gears. But they said to him, "They said you speak like somebody from our grandparents' time." Wow. Meaning, like you know, if it's like if somebody stepped back into our culture, right. we're we're all born here. But if somebody stepped back into our, had left here and came <clears throat> back after the fifties, but spoke like Leave It to Beaver, you'd be right. like, right. "What's up with this dude?" Right, right. exactly. Yep. So I get it. Um, so you pronounce your name Bushin. 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 Yeah. Or Bushan. Not Bushan. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people say Bushan. 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 Bushan to John. Um, <laughs> We used, to, we used to make jokes about Grey Poupon because right. it was oh, dude. Poupon Dijon. Growing up? Yeah. Oh, my God. So like, oh, yeah. Whenever I hear Bouchon, I think of Poupon Dijon. And you remember those commercials where the car, like the Rolls yeah. Royce would pull up? Having a Grey Poupon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that was when I was a kid in high school. So imagine, yeah. Do, do you have any brown Bouchon? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you should make a brown Bouchon mustard. We that should. That would be, uh, be a good thing. We should. But uh, so anyway, so, so tell us. So... so Bush Bushin is your name. Yeah, Bush, so it, Bush it means um, it means one who it, uh, you could be proud of, or like an ornament. Wow, misnamed. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not joking. So, <laughs> <laughs> Kidding, joking. I'm so, proud of you, Bushin. Thank you. You're like an ornament for me. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. 
it's they they gave me something to strive for. <laughs> oh, that's great! It's a great name. A lot, of, a lot of pressure. So, how do you spell Boosh? So Boosh, I'm spelling B H O O S H. Okay. And what is what is what is your thing? What is Boosh all about? So it's all it's kind of um, it's about um, this journey to uh, higher consciousness through spending time in nature. Oh, cool. And so where it kind of it's one of those things like I was talking about how there's like little points in your life where it doesn't connect separately, but when you put everything together, you suddenly see this big picture. Right. And for me, that kind of it's been evolving and it's taking a long time to get there. Um, you know, you and I've had some conversations about God and existence and what's all the purpose of all this over time. and As well as free diving and uh, surfing <laughs> yeah. and becoming a waterman. Exactly. Well, you know, I think, I think that's part of this. So it's, um, it's, it's you know, whenever, whenever I've um, spent time in nature, I feel connected to something, right? And I always thought I was being connected to my dad. My mm. dad was a great photographer. It's something I enjoy doing. I, I shoot a lot of landscapes and sunsets, and I'll just sit out for hours and watch a sunset and shoot it and get different lights and angles and all kinds of stuff. And anytime I'm traveling, you know, most of the time with you, and you'll, you know this, like I'll go off and go shoot, you know. You shot an incredible scene. I mean, you shot a lot of cool stuff, but one of my favorites is when we were on Menorca for the 52 Super Series, mm -hmm. and we went free diving yeah. for like a couple of hours. Yeah. Or at least an hour and a half. And then um, you uh, you went off at night with Carlos. I had stuff to do during the day, yep. and you guys had less to do that next day. And you went out to Menorca to the lighthouse. Mm -hmm. and there's no real city light there because you're in this little island in the middle of Balearis Islands. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we traveled. That was only 10 minutes away from where we were staying. Oh, really? Yeah. And like literally you would leave the area we were at yeah. and all of a sudden you look up in the sky and you would just see a planetarium. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So you, was, and you guys shot the uh, you shot the night sky over the lighthouse. Mm hmm. And that image is on your, uh, is that that's on your personal Instagram? Yeah, it's on sure. my personal Instagram, and then um, it's actually going to be on a bag, which I'll show you later. Oh, cool! Yeah, oh, awesome. So you've yeah. been you've been capturing some really cool images, different places we've gone, Hawaii, Spain, uh, all over the world, and and you're so what are you doing? You're taking those images and doing what with them? So usually, I would always all these years I was taking these images, and and every time I would do it, I felt obligated almost to do it because my dad never got to travel to these places mm. and he would have like I appreciate you liking my photographs but he would have done something in more incredible you know with anything that I could do he was just a great photographer and I just feel obligated to go out and shoot those things because he really couldn't he never he had health problems he had financial issues all kinds of things so yeah. he just couldn't travel and his dream was to travel all across the U.S., actually. One of the reasons they came to the U.S. And so whenever I have that opportunity, I always want to shoot it, and I always want to share it. And I always felt, whenever I clicked that shutter, or, you know, I felt some sort of connection to my dad. And then, um, you know, fast forward, you know, my dad died um, in 2000. Okay. So fast forward... Um, Last year, my mom passed. Right. And 
So as I'm going through walks and different things, I started to feel, especially where I would take her for walks. Yeah. And I'd feel, again, this connection to her. And you know how you feel there's some moments, everyone has these moments where they have this ultimate clarity where just everything makes sense and you can write, you can solve problems. There's all these ideas that start flowing to the surface. And then most of the time we're dealing with everyday life, right? What people are calling the monkey mind. Mm-hmm. And so we're constantly in our lives doing things. Busy, and busy, 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 busy. Yeah. You can't focus very well. Exactly. And so throughout my life, I'm like, why are there certain moments in my life where I just feel so clear and calm and just connected? And then there's other times where I'm trying to get to that space and it's just not happening. And I'm trying, trying, trying. It's just not getting there. And, you know, as a person that, you know, I've had my business for a while with photography and, and filming. And, you know, that's important. It's to be this create in this creative mindset, always trying to come up with something new. And so um, anyway, so I started thinking and actually you sent me a. Uh, NPR interview recently and I was listening to to that and there was a quote he quoted the Dalai Lama what, what was the interview um, so it was it was um, I forgot his name but um, he had written this book about about oh. psychedelics and <laughs> about psychedelic drugs yeah psychedelic drugs and stuff but the moment that actually I mean it was actually pretty fascinating because I, I kind of wanted to understand um, that whole space because a lot of that's there's been a lot written about that lately yeah. I think it's kind of interesting I mean you've got you know Silicon Valley I mean a lot of kind of creative business types entrepreneurs doing what they call micro dosing which are small Smaller. amounts of LSD like yeah. stuff, so you're not really out of your mind but you're getting more creativity you know kind of it's opening your mind a little bit right there's a lot of things like that going on right now yeah there's actually more than more than just uh there's 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 mushrooms there's all kinds of things that people are experimenting with for functional behavior right and not just not just um drugs by the way i mean meditation i think gets you there too and 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 these are things that i'm kind of learning about and i'm just interested in not per se interested in doing these things but just interested in learning and right. experiencing well, and just un- understanding how our brain works yeah and i think a lot of you know so i actually did study uh, the science of social drugs in college i got a straight a in a chemistry <laughs> class that was the science of social drugs strangely but um the uh, you know one of the interesting things about psychedelics like lsd or psilocybin mushrooms or any of those things dmt they, they, what they're doing is they're basically blocking your, your uh, the receptors, your neuron, the, the neurons in your brain, so you're not getting the normal pathways connected. Right. And so it kind of disrupts your normal way of processing, right. uh, the normal channels in your brain. And it, what a lot of people uh, suggest is that it almost puts us back into childlike states yeah. where we're amazed by everything yeah. because you don't you know as we as we get older as we experience things we create ways our, our brain in, in an effort to allow us to process and kind of be, be aware of the world and, and operate in it it says okay that's the sun that's you know you you know pretty much what everything tastes like yeah and the reason is because you've put probably pretty much everything in your mouth at some point right. particularly as you, when you're really young and um and so as your brain builds these channels and and you know through experience um, 
you also start to miss things because your brain just automatically puts things into boxes. Right, it's and almost what, like ordinary. Yeah, and so creativity is looking at things differently. A part right. of a portion of creativity and figuring out how to reassemble it in a unique way. Yeah. And um, like a lot of the research on, for example, LSD in the 60s was uh, using people who had an expertise and then having them you know, take a dosage of LSD and then uh, take their expertise and reapply it in a different way. And that's where there were some creative breakthroughs in, in that research. Right. I'm not advocating the use of LSD. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying that's... It's basically, that's kind of how it works. Yeah. It doesn't make you, if you've never played the guitar, it's not going to make you a magical right. guitar player. <laughs> right. It's like making Van Halen or something. <laughs> right. Eddie Van Halen. So, but um, the interview was really talking a lot about how they're using it with cancer patients, for yeah. example. So it's um, people who are, un, who are at the last stages of life, they're depressed, yep. and how they're leaving this world actually happy through right. this process and it, that to me seemed pretty fascinating really fascinating actually it's been used for not only for cancer patients but for other clinical depression yeah, exactly um, successfully yeah so again not advocating uh, yeah using these substances <laughs> if you have a medical issue please see your doctor but um, <laughs> but there's been some interesting research right. written about it lately absolutely so i was listening to this really it was actually one of the most listened to podcasts last year which is why it came back up Right. It uh, popped back up at the end of the year. They were showing what were the best podcasts or the most. That was one that popped up. That was yeah. one that popped up. So well, anyway, cool. he talked about um, he made a he talked about where consciousness lives, mm. and that was where um, he was quoting the Dalai Lama, and he was talking about how the Dalai Lama had said something about well, what if consciousness doesn't exist in your brain, right? Because we don't know. Sure. We don't have the science behind it. We think <clears throat> we know where it is. Well, we assume that it occurs in our brain because we view reality through our eyes, typically. Right. And then we tend to think about processing in our heads. But we probably, I mean, realistically, if you look at most of the research on um, you know, neurobiology, like one of our friends is a UCI, University of California, Irvine professor, mm -hmm. uh, I'm a professor researcher in neurosciences. And part of what she's working on is the, the neurology that happens outside your brain. Right. For example, she said there's more neurons in your stomach than there are in your brain. I remember you telling me about that. And yeah. she thinks there may be uh, more in your heart as well. Wow. So effectively, your whole body is processing. So that's where your gut feeling, right? When you're when you have that gut feeling, whatever they... Sure, I have a gut reaction. You gut feel something yeah. in your heart. Yeah. The, the other thing is um, we're also discovering that gut health is one of the most important features of preventative medicine. Um, I was just with my uh, cousin Dave Van Andel this weekend, who's the head of the Van Andel Research Organization. It's a multi-billion dollar research organization that does a lot in Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and, and cancer research. And um, they're, they're discovering that the things that we think occur in our brain, because that's where the symptoms are, like symptomatically mm -hmm. Parkinson's and Alzheimer's happen in your brain. It's a neuropathy. But realistically, it starts in your gut. Right. And so there's a direct connection there. I don't, you know, we're discovering a lot about this right yeah. now. But it's, uh, it's fascinating it's, when, when you talk about this. Yeah, it's absolutely. And, and it seems like um, maybe in sometime in our lifetime, we'll, we'll know, you know, where all this occurs and maybe it'll lead us to some big discoveries about our health and wellness and all kinds of things mental health right but um 
anyway, so when he said that and where then I started thinking, wait a second, if consciousness, if we take that paradigm out of our minds that it does exist in our minds and it could exist somewhere else it's like time right time doesn't actually exist in any one place in space at the same time quote unquote right it's all relation to another space point in space that's really what time is it's the difference between this point in space and this point in space i would argue that time is anthropomorphic meaning that time is really something that people created to to help us understand what we experience but if you're not a person, time's kind of irrelevant. Yeah, and and there's a um, there's actually a really good um, there's some there's some um, new books and stuff out. I, I don't the name of it escapes me right now, but when they were talking about that, um, even if a twin, like if you have a, they can actually measure. Let me back up. So you can measure if you have the uh, uh, an instrument that's precise enough, you can measure the time difference between the top of your head and the floor, mm-hmm. because there is actually a difference. In, well, yeah, because there's distance. Yeah. So I mean, exactly. for example, and here's what I was trying to say: is the only reason that we care about time is because we have the ability to pause, yeah. observe, and reflect. Exactly. Yeah. If you can't reflect, if you're constantly living in the moment, if you're an animal mm-hmm. who is basically, you know, many. Well, I don't. Somebody's probably going to tell me that I'm wrong about this. Maybe apes or somebody you know has an ability to reflect but most animals don't right. sit and reflect as far as we know as far as we know yeah. they appear to be living in the present and reacting at based on their instincts right if that's how an animal behaves and works and and perceives then the idea of time is kind of irrelevant because right. there is no time it's just now right 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 but to your point um that's that is how time works um that is how we perceive, and that's how we describe it. So, so I started thinking of consciousness almost in the, sa- almost in the same way, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, what if we're almost like an antenna, like you're tuned into a certain radio station, right? And if that means that consciousness, whether it lives in the brain or not, doesn't really—it's kind of almost like it doesn't matter as much. But why are there certain moments where you just can tap into that higher consciousness, whether it's outside in the cosmos or if it's in your brain, wherever it is? Right. How do you, why is it, why is it that when I'm spending time in nature or after our long swim in Menorca or whatever, or that hike that we did right after that, why do you feel this inspiration? Yeah. Why, why is that happening? So I started thinking about, well, well, if you take that paradigm out, that means anything's possible. And that means that we're all connected. We're not just all connected as people. We're connected with Mother Nature. We're connected with the cosmos. We're connected with every animal, every plant, everything on... Well, physically we are. I mean, physically we are all made out of the same thing. We're all made we out are. of stardust. Yep. Um, you know, you can argue about it. if there's more than that or not, if there's a metaphysic, if there's something beyond the physical reality we experience. But at a, at a fundamental level... We're all made out of the same stardust and we're all connected. You know, the reason that that we're processing and sitting here is because there's energy, right? Right. That we're leveraging. Somehow exactly. To organize those particles into who you are and who I am. Right. And um, and I think the, uh, you know, nobody really understands very well. Well, no one understands why that works very well. We have a lot of theories about it. And nobody understands, and the, even understanding of how it happens um, is pretty light. Yeah, you know we have some general ideas about it, but one of our friends uh, was a did a lot of the work on the Rosetta software, which is what mapped our human DNA. And I was asking him if um, 
probably mentioned this before, but I was asking if there were clones, this was a while ago, 20 years ago, I was asking if there were clones of humans maybe in North Korea or China. They were just starting to clone sheep and cows. Yeah. And he said, well, the thing you'll notice is those animals aren't very healthy. Um, the cloning that they were doing wasn't reproducing the same animal. Mm. It was producing a version of the, clo- of the original animal, but they were versions that were not replicating very well. Hence, wow. they would have disease and other issues. And he said that the challenges is that um, uh, you know, conception is incredibly complicated, very complex. And that we understand the general principles of it, but we do not have a full enough understanding to execute to, 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 to execute create. that complexity well, yeah, yeah. To, to create. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's kind of true for a lot of the sciences, is that the more you know, the more you start to realize how much else is still out there. Right? Yeah, the, how much there's left to discover. Like the deeper you look, the deeper it goes yeah kind of thing yeah so um neither of us are scientists but the uh but i think the but i think those are pretty well well agreed upon general theories so you end up creating a, a brand boosh your own brand right that's based on the images you take yep and this idea that as you go out into nature um your wholeness connects with this bigger thing exactly and you get in you're inspired yep. to do something about it to do something about it or to to better you know yourself you know you, it's a lot of um it has to do with a lot of like just how you know for me personally i always felt um like i was saying like when i i felt almost obligated to do some of some of these things like shooting these things mm-hmm. and whatnot and it's almost like a freeing exercise where it's it's not about that it's about just being and doing and being outside and and living it and then and, and I've seen you push yourself like I, part of what we talk about in Kick Aspirational is scaring yourself a little bit every yeah. day yeah and uh, we talk about get outside go out there have an adventure create something right. scare yourself a little bit push yourself a little yeah. further than you're comfortable drink drink with two straws yeah drink life with two straws <laughs> but I think but, right but I think that's part of uh, part of what we've done together mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> Is I think you know I'm very comfortable in the water. I push myself, um, you know, when I'm doing other things. I think with you, with you, I'm, we're trying to do some things together that are yeah. advancing your water skills. Yep. And you know, I've seen you a few times. Just take a minute to yep. figure out how yeah, we're going to we, do this we, next thing. We went on a dive in Menorca, and um, David and um, our our guide um, kind of went off a little bit and, and this was the first time I, this was the second time I'm diving. This is your first open water dive, right? Or second? Second time open water, yeah. but first time walking in. Okay. Like, because otherwise it's just leap off a boat. Off a boat right? yeah. <laughs> so it's instant. This was walk slowly through the water and then I let my mind take over and I let my mind just go into a negative place. Uh-huh. And I had to catch myself. And I remember you, you guys were off and like, what's wrong with him? What's, hopefully, yeah. hopefully he gets out, you know? It just needed a minute, yeah. We came back for you. Yeah. And then I was like, what the heck? Yeah. No. Yeah. And, but, then, <laughs> and, then, and then, then I was like, what am I doing? This is dumb. I know how to do this. I just get to put, I can breathe sure. through this thing. And well, I think we were go. asking you what was wrong and you were trying to figure out what was wrong. Yeah, so it, it took a little bit, but you figured yeah, it out and then yeah. we went for a nice dive. Yeah. It was, it was all mental. Yeah. That was yeah. in Menorca as well. Yeah. That was in Menorca. Aren't you happy I didn't make you ride horses? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to ride horses. No. Um, actually, the Menorcan 
uh, Camino de Cavallo is amazing. I was happy yeah. I did. But uh, those pictures looked awesome. Sometimes I have to scare myself too. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this is about scaring yourself a little bit, getting out there, connecting to something bigger than yourself through nature. Right. And then, um, is there is there like a, a vision or a mission? Yeah. Or? So it's um, it's just hopefully help, helping um, communicate this message that um, uh, what we have. Um, to overcome a lot of our barriers and obstructions we have in what surrounds us, right? This is like, um, we just go for a walk, go for a, you know, meditate outside or just listen to the ocean for a few minutes and things will calm down. Things will just settle down and you'll get a moment to, to clarify what you're, what you're trying to figure so out. So if you get into nature, you, you focus your mind you center yourself effectively, yep. you calm things down, you'll start to have some clarity, and that clarity will help you focus on what you need to do right, next. Right, right. So how are you making these products? What's the execution? What's the, what's, what's the, what's the strategy so, here? So it's funny, like, you know, I wanted something. This is like kind of like a side hustle to my normal hustle, right? Yeah, so this is a new project. New project, just, you know, trying it out, you know. And um, I'm also experimenting with art, so I, I haven't really shown you any of that stuff yet, but I'm... Starting to draw a little bit on digital, like on an iPad with a pen, which is pretty cool. And uh, the way technology is changing is amazing. And I'm also taking some of my images and turning them into paintings. Okay. And then um, thinking of them in terms of design. You know, one of the things I didn't mention is my, my mom was a designer. Mm-hmm. She went to FIT at, in New York, Fashion Institute of Technology. And, um, you know, this... This kind of was a way for me to connect with both of them, my parents. So, and how, how are you distributing this, or where is it going to be sold, or how do I find it? Yeah, so I'm going to, um, it's going to be on Boosh.com, B-H-O-O-S-H.com. And we haven't launched just this as of this recording, but hopefully by the time you hear this, maybe it will be. And when um, was there, a, you have a social media presence as well? Yeah, so Boosh Apparel on Instagram, same on Twitter, uh, same on Facebook. Bush Apparel. Bush Apparel. All one word. All one word. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, um, and I'm still like in the beginning phases of trying to see what works. I've been doing a lot of research, market research with people and in this area, and just trying to, you know. So it took it took a little time to figure all that stuff out. But what's interesting is um, there's all these new business models that you can do. You know, it's, you know, people are doing Uber and people are doing, you know, delivering uh, groceries now and Amazon and sure. all kinds of stuff. DoorDash and, you know, and, and there's this new other thing called uh, with print on demand where it allows. Well, you have an, Shopify, you have print on demand, you have, yeah. so you don't have to carry inventory. You can have it printed as you go. Printed as you go. So if you place an order on the website, it gets placed in, out of either Los Angeles or Charlotte, North Carolina depending on what it is. If it's a t-shirt, it's in LA. If it's, um, if it's a pillow or something else, it's out of, or a hat, it's out of Charlotte. And um, so the minute you place the order, someone, um, you know, picks it, picks the, sh- the picks product. Picks the item, yeah, produces prints it. Prints it. Um, some of the stuff is cut and sew, so it's actually printed and then someone sews it together. Sure. And then I'll also have an Etsy store for some of the um, some of the other stuff that I'll be doing that's um, um, like robes and maybe some art pieces and stuff like that. Great. 
And I guess the cool thing is with social media and a website, you can test a lot of ideas and see what people exactly. react to. Yep. If those blow up, you can do more with them. Yep. If they uh, they don't go anywhere, you can just scrap it and replace it with a different SKU. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I think that's right. I think the you know the, one of the big takeaways right now is that there's never been easier to start a business. Nope. Um, it's never yeah. been easier to create your own brand. Uh, you can get live feedback. You can pay attention to exactly. what's working and what's not. You can do contests and, and build build an audience. But you also figure out if it's connecting with people or if it's not, if this right. is something that people want more of or if it's... Yeah, and I don't have to know. put in a ton of money and to do that. And I can spend more time on the on the creative side and, and, um, and let someone else kind of handle some of the back end. And if it does grow to a certain point, then we'll just bring everything in-house and... We'll fulfill everything ourselves. Well, I think quality content drives engagement. Yeah. Right now, more than ever, and um, being able to convert that content that people really connect to yep. into an object that they can either own or wear or whatever. Right. And uh, makes makes a lot of sense. So the other the other part of this was just not about um, interconnectivity for you know for yourself and nature, but it's also a way to give back for us. So. Jyoti and, and myself, my wife Jyoti, is, is helping with the back end of this. And she's got a um, digital marketing background. I've got, obviously, the content side. So we're kind of, it's a way for, as a couple, for both of us to work on something that we own. Whereas in the past, we've always, we've, we've actually had jobs together. We, we were, at once, when we first got married, we were computer consultants. And we're working at, like, Novartis and, yeah. you know, big, some big companies together and we always loved that experience of just working together and being together and having the same kind of vision and goal but it was always for somebody else and now we get to do it for ourselves and and then also give back you know because one of the things we would want it we want to do is take our proceeds and donate them to um we were thinking maybe something with nature something with people um something so, with so, so connected life. to a cause that's yeah. tied to your mission yeah exactly well, i think that's a good idea yeah. Well, um, very cool, Boosh. And I'm, I'm excited about Boosh, uh, apparel, Boosh.com. I'm excited you're doing something, you're taking action. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, you started with this Kick Aspirational project, and it was, um, it was really motivating. It was like, you know, you don't have to do this. You don't, you know, you know our, I think the listeners know, you know, you've got a pretty hectic lifestyle. You, you run several businesses, and you've built some pretty incredible brands and when I saw you doing this I just felt like well if he's doing that what's what's wrong with me like I should I should be doing more would you like a list no, I'm joking. <laughs> no but, I, but I think that's the point is it's uh you know part of the reason I did the podcast was um not because I needed to do something else in my life but because a lot of people had asked me a question how, yeah. do, you, how do I do something like this yeah. And my goal is that this inspires people to take action. And the reason I wanted to, to have a conversation with you today is because you took action. Yeah. And um, I am very hopeful that this is successful. But I, at, at another level, I care much less about that than the fact that you took action. You started a project that's personal to you, that is a passion of yours, yep. that you are very good at it. Maybe you know that you can be best in the world at effectively. You, you know that you have the ability to have a competitive advantage. And now you're going to find out if you can make some money at it. Yeah. If people yeah. will trade you value for value. And at the very least, it'll sharpen our marketing skills. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, congratulations to you and Joe T on starting this. And uh, we'll have to check Thanks. in and see how it continues down the road. Awesome. Yeah. Love it.
Thanks, Booge. Thanks. This is the Kick Aspirational Podcast. Remember, it's not a spectator sport. I'd love to hear what you're doing and how you're engaging, uh, you know, challenges and your passions and uh, opportunities in your own life. So please reach out to me. I'm David58, D-A-V-E-E-D-5-8 on Instagram, David Vanderveen on Facebook, or you can even uh, can you try and send me an email, uh, david at kickaspirational.com. So I'm, uh, I'm live now with Mark Fitzgerald, who some of you may have uh, come to know through the Kick Aspirational podcast, or you may know through his own podcast. Uh, he's done a couple of his own and working on a new one now. But uh, Mark helped me set the Kick Aspirational podcast up. Uh, we got to know each other uh, from him inviting me on his show and some in interviewing some of my friends like um, Rob Bell and I think did you, um, possibly Pete Holmes. But um, Mark, welcome. And uh Welcome back on the Kick Aspirational Podcast. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Always, always, Vandis. <laughs> awesome, man. So you're down in Auckland right now? Yes, yes. Kiwilandia, as I like to call it? Yeah, well, technically, <laughs> it's it's your birthday here in New Zealand by, by us. Oh, man. I hope you're celebrating. I hope I, you're celebrating. I'm I, already 50 in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, ex exactly, exactly. <laughs> the sun does not set on my birthday today. Yeah, um, <laughs> tomorrow will be different. But uh, Mark, tell me, you know, um, this this episode, I'm talking to three different people who have helped me get my Kick Aspirational podcast started. You were very instrumental in that, helping set it up, and you continue to help me load them. I appreciate that. But I, um, I'd also like to take credit for prodding you into actually doing it in the first place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, you were you were definitely um, one of the voices that was very loud in my ear, pushing me to to, to do this, and I, and I thank you for it. It's been a journey, a good journey for me, and hopefully for people who listen. Yes. But um, but let me ask you this: so, uh, so I'm interviewing you and Bushin and Gabe Sullivan because you you've all helped me kind of put this Kick Aspirational podcast and project together. Um, and I'm not going to take credit for it, but part of the project for us together is you guys have started doing things on your own and breaking through some barriers in, in your life. And so yeah. um, I've interviewed Bushin. I'm going to interview Gabe a little later, but I also wanted to interview you because you and I have been talking a lot about a journey that you're on right now. Can you, can you tell us about that? Yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah, I would absolutely like to give you due credit for where I'm, you know, currently at. Obviously it comes down to, you know, own per personal choices, but um, you know, I would just like to say from the outset, having good mentors and people who inspire you is really helpful. Um, and it's, you know, to have the humility to, to keep connected to people that, you know, are ahead of you in the journey is really important because I think if you, if you don't, it's, it's so much easier to get dragged backwards than forwards, if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, so absolutely. it was probably late last year that I started, I'd probably say, I started moving in the direction of making a decision to do something about my health. I kind of, in my mind, I guess I reached a fork in the road where I was like, okay, I've got one of two choices here. So I could either just resign myself to the idea that this is my reality and just what it is, is what it is. Or I could actually just try again. And cause I've done things in the past and, you know, made some progress and fallen back and, you know, that becomes discouraging and sort of, you know, you kind of takes more effort to get back up again, but there was just something in me. And I would have to say like, it is due in, in part to staying connected to people 
like yourself who are very inspiring and and um and again like ultimately at the end of the day it does come down to your own choice but just to 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 have be to create an environment around you that is uh welcoming of change is a good thing <laughs> right and so so where are you right now in this journey Do you, this is something you started at, at the beginning of the year in january yeah, so I'm in a kind of interesting limbo kind of spot at the moment, which in and of itself is quite a good challenge, as it turns out. But so, yeah, basically, uh, yeah, starting in the very beginning of January, I was just like, okay, I'm going to do what I can. I don't know all the answers, but I'm going to try something. And so I started walking and ended up, you know, getting back into the gym and doing some swimming and just some basic movement. Uh, which is better than nothing at all. <laughs> um, and just, yeah, just started sort of making some positive directions in the habits of, you know, with eating and things like that. Um, and then uh, I guess a couple of weeks ago, I, yeah, had the awesome opportunity to get along to one of the um, the Weight Loss Coaching Works meetings, uh, which, you know, you obviously had been physic on your on your podcast and so you know it's uh, it's a huge idea i kind of picked up from tony robbins but he talks about um you know our success being down to resourcefulness as opposed to just you know have, necessarily having all the right resources um he's like it's about you know basically being resourceful and using what you can and obviously being connected to yourself and you know having having that opportunity it's like i would be a fool not to take it <laughs> you know what, and mark what was the impetus what was what was what made you decide that hey I need to make a change right now what I'm doing you know the path I'm on isn't isn't the path I want to stay on well I was like acutely aware of how unhappy I was to be honest um I knew that I I knew that there was more for me than what I was living and that there is more for me and it's still ahead of me in many ways but that you know that there is there, there was that spark of optimism that was still there, and, and I knew that I could do something positive, you know. Um, was it? Was it? A, did you get on a scale, or were you feel like your body just wasn't the um, way you wanted? Or what was the combination? I did. There? It, I did end up eventually getting on a scale. I now own a lovely set of scales, which is quite, uh, quite um, something I never thought I'd be proud of owning. But I'm actually quite proud of my scales. They're very shiny and red and. Amazing. <laughs> They're quite sexy. They're sexy, scale. sexy scales, yeah. I dare to say. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I did at some point end up, you know, getting on the scales at the gym. And um, one thing I kind of realized um, quite uh, quite quickly was human beings' ability to self-delude. Um, I think, you know, I'd started off a few years ago at 180 kilos, which, you know, is still quite a place to start in and of itself um and i'd sort of deluded myself for a long time thinking that i was still around that level and um yeah when you get on a set of scales that max out at 200 and um you can't get a proper reading it's like oh shoot <laughs> like yeah. yeah so that's just the reality um that's where i am and i think it's important to that's what i'd say to anyone who's looking to start a journey is like know your starting point be you know you've got to have that that brutal honesty about where you currently are because you can't, you know, you can't start a destination without knowing where your, your starting point is, you know? Um, so I'm looking at it just at a quick calculation, 2.2 pounds per kilo. So just for people who don't know the, uh, people oh, still on the Imperial yeah. scale like me, um, that's about 396 pounds. So that's a pretty, that's a, that's a 
that's a bigger number than you were looking for. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't your, quite there. Yeah. I mean, but that's, that's just where you are. Right? I think identifying where you are without making judgments is a good start. And where do you want to be? What's your goal? Oh, I mean, I'm not sure of the time frame, but I mean, it'd be great to get down to at least a hundred at some point, hundred kilos. Get down to about a hundred kilos. Yeah. And, uh, and and so tell me about your plan. What how are you planning to get there? What are the things you're doing differently on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to make that happen? Well, I mean, I guess at this point, I mean, I'm on the precipice of joining this, um, you know, weight loss coaching works group, um, which is like a ten week thing. Um, you know, I mean, I guess that's been a huge part of it is kind of having the humility to put my hand up and say. Yeah, I can recognize that I'm good at some things, but with this whole health and wellness and weight loss kind of thing, like, you know, help, you know, like I need some help here. And I think sure. that's important. Like, and it's like you say, it's not a judgment thing. It's just a reality thing. Like it's not, I think the, the kind of shame and stigma around it has gone and that's healthy. Um, but at the same time, I still own the reality of it, you know, and just like, no, it's important to know the truth. But um, so yeah, so that's where I'm at at the moment. It's been the tricky thing is, you know, it, you know, just for people, you know, to to know that, you know, it's not always going to be smooth sailing. Um, the last couple of weeks have been quite challenging because, you know, I went to this meeting a couple of weeks ago and I was like, cool, I'm in, sign me up. But you know, financially, I wasn't able. Like I'm, you know, I'm sorting out the payment for it this week, and um, which is great. But um, you know. In an ideal world, I would have loved to have just, you know, hit the ground running. I mean, in an ideal world, I would love to just be able to dedicate my life full time to health until I can get it done. But unfortunately, you know, I just still need to work and do normal things. But um, yeah, so so that's about to kick off. Um, so that's really cool. And and it's, you know, basically the, the whole focus is having a community of people around you, um, which is great. But then at the same time, um, it's important to... to you know, be in a headspace and a state of mind where you believe it's possible, that you believe you can do it. You know, they focus in this group about, you know, quite strongly on the, the mental side of it. How you, they say, you know, you can't go somewhere in reality that you haven't already been in your mind. And I think that's really important too, is, is I can finally say that I'm at a place where, you know, not only do I want to change, I, I do believe it's possible. Right. So, I mean, so if I'm understanding you correctly, you – um, you know, you started on this journey and we were talking through it and you, you had concerns about being alone on this path because it hasn't worked for you in the past. Mm. Um, so I connected you with Ben Physic, who's been on this podcast and you took, you basically took a look at their program, weight loss coaching works, which isn't, I mean, it's about a 10 week program, but it's also about a lifestyle change. And, um, and now you're on that journey. You're, you're, uh, you're, You've been working on it on your own, and you've had some good progress. You've lost, I think, about eight kilos. You would say on your own, yeah, um, yeah, sixteen pounds or eighteen pounds. It's pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. now you're looking for some, you know, a community and some assistance and some mentorship to keep you on that path and help you achieve like a real true transformation. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, the, you know, I did wrestle with it a lot and there was a, I, I don't know whether it's like a male thing or not, but there is part of me that's like, oh, I do want to do this on my own. I don't want any help. You know, like I I was feeling like that for a while. Um, and ultimately, like I keep saying, like it is down to your own decisions, but there are some things where it's okay to put your hand up and go, 
man, I need some help with this. And there's great resources out there, like books or, you know, groups online or whatever it is. Like just that, that just what I was saying earlier about resourcefulness. Like we live in a world that's so connected and, you know, it's a crime not to take advantage of it, you know? Absolutely. And I think, I think to your point, you know, the, uh, the idea that we're all going to be able to do things on our own, like there's some, you know, I, I think we overcook the indivi- the success of the individual sometimes in Western culture and, and, you know, yeah, people are meant to be living in community and we do need to help each other. We are pilgrims on a path and it's okay to say, Hey, I can't do all this. I need somebody to help me. I think that's, that's, that's fine too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, very cool, Mark. I'm uh, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing. I'm, uh, you know, I've tried to give you any resource that I can in New Zealand. Uh, hopefully, yeah. that'll that'll be a good start. And you know, I'm always available to uh, to, uh, to to reach out to. But more importantly, um, I'd love it if you'd pop back in from time to time at Kick Aspiration and let us know how your journey's going. Um, not only the successes, but also you know some of the setbacks and and uh, how you've broken through some of those barriers yeah yeah absolutely and yeah like just on that note i would say it's not i i know already that it's not going to be a straight line to to my goal it's going to be you know up and down and it's you know almost think of that the, the, you know the you know when you go to a hospital you see the the heart reading you know when it's like the kind of line going up and down it's like a flat line is when someone's dead you know <laughs> it's like right. there's not much right. happening but it's like there is life there and it's going to be um, you know, you're going to have bad days and good days and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a bit of everything, but, um, it's exciting. I'm genuinely excited. Um, you know, I'm not in this regard in my life, I'm not exactly where I want to be, but there's other areas in my life where I can look at and say, Hey, I am strong here and I have made progress here. And, you know, it's, um, it's really cool. And uh, hopefully I, you know, I have a huge heart to, to inspire others as well, which is a huge um, motivation. Well, I think you're inspiring people already. Uh, looking forward to seeing and hearing how your journey goes. We're going to try and share some of the stuff via the Excess World too. Uh, I think we're just getting you some Excess products that uh, may help you on this journey as you uh, as you move to change your life and yeah, move ha- and, and get more, in better shape. Happy to be on Team Excess for sure. I have to say that. Right on, Mark. Thanks for your time. <laughs> really appreciate it. No worries. Cheers. <laughs>